Welcome to the Indianola First Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Our prayer is that this message will inspire you, encourage you, and launch you into life-changing action. Well, good morning, church. Good to see everybody. Lots of you here today, everybody in a good mood, smiling this morning, smiling, smiling. You look better when you smile. You should smile more often. Well, it is uh, great to be with you this morning, get the opportunity to speak to you today as we continue our Masterclass series. We've been going through our Masterclass on the Sermon on the Mount, which uh, is taught by the Master himself, Jesus Christ. And we have went through a lot of different topics because this is like, this is like the greatest, Jesus' greatest teaching of the New Testament, where he covers so many topics that are so relevant to our lives. Last week, Pastor Barry talked about fasting. Anybody fast in here last week? Anything? Okay. Awesome. I told somebody yesterday I've been fasting vegetables. It's going amazing. <laughs> I haven't touched a piece of broccoli in like a month. It's great. Uh, no, but several of you fasted, and uh, I heard some really good reports of great things that God did in people's lives as they fasted this last week. Uh, this last life group, if you're not a part of our life groups, uh, we talked about the uh, next section of the teaching where Jesus is turning his attention now to uh, possessions and material wealth. And so we talked about that a little bit in life group last week, and Jesus in chapter 6 kind of continues that discourse of talking about possessions and uh, worldly things, and so, you know, and how they relate to our life. So I want to take a look at that this morning. It's Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 32. If you've got your Bibles, go ahead and open there uh, this morning, if you would, Matthew 6, 25 through 32. It's a long passage of Scripture, but I really think it needs to be read in its entirety because it's just a great passage with, uh, it's just a really encouraging passage, really, that God has encouraged us. Jesus is encouraging us in this passage. So I wanted to read the whole thing to you this morning. So let's go ahead and do that. 625 through 32 in the book of Matthew says this. This is Jesus talking. Therefore, I tell you, don't be anxious about your life, what you're going to eat or what you're going to drink, not about your body, what you're going to put on. Is not life more important than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow, nor do they gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? That's a great verse. Just verse 27. Let me read that one more time. And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? By worrying and being anxious, can you add any more time to your life? Otherwise, you say, other words, you're saying, what benefit is it? To be anxious about something, it's not really in the end going to do you any good. Verse 28, and why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor they spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed as one of these. Now, he's talking to a group of Jewish people when he talks about this. So you might be like, well, who's Solomon? And, you know, is he a male model? Why is he dressed so well? Um, Solomon, for those of you that may not know, is he was a Jewish king. He was considered the most uh, wealthy of all the Jewish kings, the most powerful of all the Jewish kings. And so he's, he's looking back at a time that these Jews would look back to the glory days of the empire. And he's saying, look, at even the king Solomon, who was the greatest king that you ever had, who was the most opulent king you ever had, even he didn't look as good as the lilies of the field. So he talks. So as, as he's talking about it, so I just want you to understand who Solomon is in case you're like, who is, who is Solomon and why does he enter this conversation? Verse 30. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is today here, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? 
Therefore, don't be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. Okay? That's great, isn't it? It should give you a little bit of perspective, make you feel a little bit at ease, knowing that God has your back. Here's Jesus telling us not to be anxious about our lives, specifically our, our day-to-day needs, yeah, right? Like what you're going to eat or you know, what you're going to need for the day. Don't be anxious about those things. We know that we live in a nation that is full of anxiety. Statistics bear it out. We are, we are more anxious as a nation than we have ever been in the history of America. We are more medicated for anxiety than we have ever been in the history of America. In fact, in the last year and a half, those numbers have skyrocketed. And it's no wonder because we've been through some pretty stressful things, haven't we? We've been through a pandemic and you know, we've been through uh, racial issues and we've been through elections and you know, divisive elections. We've been through a lot of things in America that would cause anxiety and it's bearing out in the numbers. People are more anxious than they ever have been. So here's Jesus telling us in the middle of this not to be anxious. And generally what I find is when people are anxious, when believers are anxious, there's usually a couple of different reasons for it. Number one, it's that they don't feel that they can trust God for whatever reason. Maybe they have never really experienced God coming through for them, and so maybe they're new Christians, and they're just kind of stepping out into this thing we call faith, where you learn to trust God, and then as God comes through, you trust him a little more and a little more. Or maybe they wanted God to come through in a certain way, and God did not come through for them in the way that they wanted them to. Maybe they prayed for something that never came to pass the way they wanted it to, and so they feel hurt, they feel disappointed, they feel like they can't trust God. So that's kind of one reason. The second reason that a lot of believers um, get anxious or are anxious and have a hard time with this idea of just kind of letting go is uh, they don't really understand how big God is for whatever reason. So this morning, I want to zoom out just a little bit, kind of Louis Giglio style. If you know Louis Giglio, he did this video called How Great Is Our God? And he talked about the planets and suns, and it's an amazing, amazing video. It talks about how big God is, but just to give you a little perspective this morning, um, our earth travels around our solar system 584 million miles in one year, okay? So our orbit is 584 million miles a year. You didn't know that you went that far in a year, did you? If you could get frequent flyer miles out of that, we'd be, we'd be going wherever we want. It travels around 584 million miles a year at a speed of 66,500 miles. So if you want to be anxious about something, you can be anxious about the fact that we're rocketing through space at 66,000 miles an hour, and we could run into anything at any given time, or it can run into us, okay? That's something to be anxious about. What you're going to eat tomorrow, not so much, okay, not so much. So we're going through space at 66,500 miles an hour. Our solar system, not only does our, our Earth orbit our sun, and in the midst of our solar system, we pretty much all know that because we, that's basic astronomy. We all kind of learn that in school. But our solar system is in a larger orbit around the Milky Way, which is our galaxy. The Milky Way galaxy, as other galaxies in the universe, is comprised of planets and stars, which you know we know our star is the sun, right? So in the Milky Way galaxy, there's 100 million estimated, because I don't think anybody counted them, but they estimate that there's 100 million stars in the Milky Way galaxy. 
To put that into perspective, because those numbers, you know, they get mind, it's hard for us to comprehend when these numbers get gargantuan. The population of Earth is about 7.7 billion people. So over 10 times the amount of people that are on Earth, as, sorry, let me rephrase that. There are 100 million stars, which means that that there's uh, over 10 times the amount of stars in the Milky Way galaxy, suns in the Milky Way galaxy, than there are people living on Earth. It's huge. And what's even crazier than that is the Milky Way galaxy is a medium-sized galaxy in our universe, and astronomers estimate that there's another 100 billion galaxies in the universe, and probably more than that with all of their own planets and all of their own suns, hundreds of billions and millions and quadrillions of planets and suns that are out there. So when we look at it, we think, man, our, our universe is enormous. What's very cool about that, and the reason I'm telling you that, is that your God spoke a word, and all of that came into existence. He didn't even have to do manual labor. He just spoke a word, and it came into existence. That is the very same God that is saying to you in this passage, it's because Jesus is God incarnate. Jesus was there at creation with God speaking those things into existence. The very same person in these verses is saying to you, don't be anxious. Don't be anxious. You got a pretty big God with you. You got some power. you. I don't know about you, but that means something to me when God says, I got you, okay? So he tells us, don't be anxious, but, but in this verse, and you know, Jesus tells us that, don't be anxious, um, and we, we might think, oh, that's great, Jesus. <laughs> don't be anxious. He tells us why we shouldn't be anxious, because he's got us, but he doesn't necessarily tell us how that looks, or like what like, what's the practical steps for dealing with anxiety? Jesus doesn't go into this in this passage. However, he does, he did inspire a man named Paul uh, a few years later to pen a letter to a church in, in Philippi called Philippians. He penned this letter and, and he gave Paul the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to write down how to deal with anxiety. So let's take a look at that. We're going to turn over to Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. And I'm not going to give you this whole verse at one shot. I'm just going to give you little snippets of the verse. And you'll see why. We're going to take a deep dive into Philippians 4, 6 today. We're really going to camp out there this morning because I think it has some really good practical ways of dealing with anxiety. And so Philippians 4, 6, if you're there, great. Um, Here's what it says, Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. It says, do not be anxious about anything. Do not be anxious about it. Have you heard that before? Didn't Jesus just say the same thing in Matthew 25 when he says, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life? Okay, well, Paul even expands it further, not just your life. Don't be anxious about anything. Again, we hear that and we're like, well, yeah, that's really easy to say, but what does that look like? I mean, how do you do that? Well, before we answer that question, let's just take a look at anxiety really quick, and I want to kind of give you a little bit of biology this morning, so I hope you're ready for that. Um, Anxiety is really, when you boil it down, anxiety is emotion, right? It's an emotion that we're given. Anxiety serves a purpose. How many of you know emotions are not, they're good things because they're given to us by God. 
They can be misused, and uh, they can, we can let them have control that they weren't meant to have control, uh, or places they weren't meant to have control in our body, but emotions are good. They're not, they're not immoral or amoral. They, they just are. They're given to us by God for specific reasons, and anxiety is no different. Anxiety is given to us for a purpose. In fact, anxiety may have saved your life at some point in your life. You see, anxiety is a function of this little almond-shaped area of our brain called the amygdala. The amygdala is a part of the brain that's responsible for our flight or fight mechanism in our body. It's your body's way of determining if something's a threat, and if something is a threat, it helps devise a, a response to that threat, like run really fast or punch them in the face. Okay, those are, that's what the amygdala does. So if you're, in the, if you're in your house in the middle of the night, 2 o'clock in the morning, and someone's breaking in to do you harm, your amygdala wakes you up and triggers uh, adrenaline to pump into your body, and you go from fully asleep and defenseless to awake and ready to defend yourself in a matter of seconds, okay? Most of you in here probably have a gun somewhere within reach, and you probably have it in your hand, right? That's what the amygdala does. It gets us ready to fight or to flight. It, it wakes us up, and so it's got a great purpose, it's got a great purpose. It was created for a reason. And so this anxiety emotion, is that's what it was meant for. It was meant to protect us. Um, but the problem is that it can go awry, <laughs> like any other emotion. They can, be, they can do great things for us and help us, but they can also go awry if we let them control us and if we let them do what they weren't meant to do in our lives. So the question then is, if God creates this emotion of anxiety, then why does he tell us not to be anxious? That doesn't make any sense. God, why would you give me this emotion and then say, oh, yeah, by the way, don't use it? <laughs> Doesn't make sense, does it? Well, you have to look at what the meaning of the word is in the original Greek. So if we go back and we look at the word anxious in the original Greek, both in Matthew 6.25 and Philippians 4.6 that we're looking at, that word anxious means, the Greek word means worry to the point of distraction. Thoughts that worry us to the point of distraction. That's what that Greek word means. And so when he's telling us not to be anxious, he's not telling us don't allow this emotion to do what it was created to do in you. He's saying don't let this emotion control you to the point where you're distracted. Some of you are so caught up in anxiety and you've allowed it to distract you to the point where it was hard for you to even make it here this morning. I'm very glad you're here, by the way. Thank you for making it. But you are so distracted by anxiety and you're so worried about things that you've been thinking about for so long that you can hardly even function in your life because it's almost, it's, it's just distracting you. And so it wasn't the anxiety necessarily. This word encompasses more than just the, the emotion of anxiety. It's the thought behind the anxiety that leads to distraction. That's what the full word means. That's the full meaning of that Greek word. So when Paul says, don't, and Paul and Jesus both say, don't be anxious, they say, don't dwell on your anxious thoughts. So what's the, what's the takeaway from this? Well, think about what you're thinking about. Pastor Barry says it all the time. We weren't meant to pinball through life. We were meant to be intentional as Christians and believers with our lives. And so what does that look like when it comes to your thoughts? Well, when you're a pinballing through life, you just put your mind on cruise control and you just kind of think about whatever pops into your mind. And you just kind of ruminate on it, and you think about it, and you just kind of go wherever your thoughts take you. Well, when you're a believer, you discipline your thoughts. You think about what you're thinking about. Why is that important? Thoughts are incredibly powerful. If you think about it, everything in your life boils down to thought, doesn't it? That's where everything starts. Your thought, when thought about, produces an action, 
And when your action is acted upon, it produces a habit. And when your habit is acted upon, it produces a character. And a character produces a legacy. It all starts with a thought. Thoughts are powerful, powerful things. So think about what you're thinking about. Have you been watching Fox News and getting angry? Have you been watching CNN and getting angry? Think about what you're thinking about. Think about what you're allowing into your mind. Research has shown us time and time again there's power in your thought life. So science, research is bearing out what the Bible has been telling us for thousands of years. In 2018, I'm going to put this on the screen for you guys. 2018, Sanford Mind and Body Lab did research into the power of thought, and they found that people who believe doing physical work in a job counts as exercise. Or that, sorry, let me start that over. People who believe doing physical work in a job counts as exercise live longer lives. Okay, so whether they actually, so if they, they believe that if they did physical jobs in their, or if they did physical work in their jobs, that that was exercise. So they wouldn't, I don't need to go to the gym. What I do is physical enough uh, versus the person who sits at a computer and goes and works out at the gym for two hours. They found that they live longer lives just by thinking it. Likewise, telling people a milkshake drink was indulgent made them feel more full. Telling them a drink that they were consuming had caffeine raised their blood pressure, even when it didn't have caffeine. The thought, the mind is a powerful, powerful thing. Thoughts are powerful. So it's powerful when we, whatever we're thinking about eventually is going to come out and it actually has a biological effect on our body. So Paul is saying, and Jesus is saying, you better think about what you're thinking about. If you're ruminating on those ideas that are causing you worry and anxiety and to the point of distraction, you need to, you need to figure that out and you need, to think, you need to stop thinking about those things that are going to bit you in those places. So the question is, what are you allowing yourself to mentally chew on? What's going in your mind gate? Something I like to do when I think about my mind, and I use this illustration often because I do it in my life, I, I picture my mind as, I picture a literal gate in my mind, and Jesus stands on the outside and he guards it. And, uh, you know, you can't help what comes into your mind. You can't help when a thought comes in your mind. It just, it just pops up there. You can't do anything about that. But you can choose what you want to think about. If you want to think about that thing, then you're allowed to do that. But that's where the problem comes. So I put Jesus in my mind mentally. Maybe this helps some of you, but I put him as a guard. And I think to myself, I look through my filter of the word of Jesus, and I say, would this be a thought that's going to benefit me, or is this a thought that needs to go away? And if it is, then it goes away. Jesus says no. And if it isn't, or, and if it isn't then it comes in, and I, I think about it. So think about what you're thinking about. So when you're defeating, trying to defeat this thing called anxiety, Think about your thoughts, okay? Paul goes on to give us the next step in this part of the verse. He says, don't be anxious about anything. And then he goes on to say, but in every situation by prayer and petition, and then it goes on to say, present your requests to God. In every situation by prayer and petition. Here we go. Pastor Jerry's going to be talking about prayer again. Pastor Barry talks about prayer all the time. Why are these guys always talking about prayer? It's prayer, prayer, prayer. <laughs> Amen. We're going to continue to talk about prayer. And I'm going to show you exactly why in this verse we're going to be talking about prayer. Let's go back to our friend, the amygdala, okay? The amygdala. When the amygdala is triggered, it releases adrenaline into our systems, and I think I told you that. It amps up our bodies. Our blood pressure and heart rate increase. Our blood vessels contract to redirect blood flow to major muscle groups, which gets our body ready for action, okay? That's what the amygdala is supposed to do. But when there is no, when there is no major threat or real threat, we're left with high anxiety levels, 
And uh, our response can leave us feeling dizzy, restless, cause insomnia, leaves us jittery or nervous, and even creates anxious feelings. So anxiety leads to anxiety. So the problem is our body is physically doing what it was meant to do, but when there is no real threat, then we're left with all these things like, like insomnia, which there's so many people that deal with insomnia, and they're feeling dizzy and restless, and even depression can set in with those things. And so the physical symptoms are happening. And, and, and Paul, you know, he may not understand all the science behind it, but he tells us to pray. So I've got all this stuff happening in, in my body because of anxiety. And Paul says, why don't you just pray? That just sounds nice, right? Just pray. There's more to it than just pray. Paul tells us to pray. Why does he tell us to pray? Well, what is prayer? Can somebody tell me? Talking to God, having a conversation with God. That's what prayer is. It's just talking to God. Have you ever been worked up about something in your life and you just, it's just eating away at you from the inside, but then you go and you, you talk to somebody and all of a sudden it's like, and it feels better. Has that ever happened to you? You ever have to just vent on something or, or on someone? You know, you just got to find someone, you got to vent. Well, what is venting? Venting is releasing pressure, right? We, we say venting for a reason. It's it brings, down our, it brings down that anxiety. It brings down that, that hype that we have, and it just kind of calms us down. There's a reason for that. It's biological. Let's go, back to, let's go back to some research for a second. Research done in UCLA suggests that putting your feelings into word, a process called effect labeling, can diminish the response of the amygdala when you encounter things that are upsetting. In other words, if you have high levels of anxiety, it helps your body process to talk about it. And we probably know this. We've heard this. Talk about it. Talk about it. Talk about it. Well, there's a biological reason for that. It affects the amygdala, calms the amygdala down when we talk about it. So when we talk to God, it's doing something just by us talking to him. Isn't the Bible incredible? Thousands of years before science figured this stuff out, God's saying, okay, I designed your body to work in a certain way. And so if you're talking, then you're going to be venting and your anxiety level is going to be coming down. So these aren't just random verses put into a book. There's deep, deep meaning behind them. If you ever look at the Psalms and you look at David in the Psalms, David was one of the Jewish kings. And as you look in the Psalms, it's amazing because he's like, he's emotionally working through his issues. You ever notice that in Psalms? Like he starts off and he says, he's angry, you know, life is unjust and everybody's against me and my dog's out to get me, Lord. And then he just continues to work his way down and he kind of goes into a depression. He's like, woe is me and I'm horrible. I wish I'd never been born, you know, and he works through those emotions. And then by the end of that Psalm, he like, he turns this corner where he's like, but Lord, you're amazing. But Lord, you're great. And God, you've done great things in my life. And God, you're going to come through for me. And I'm going to be victorious. And you're like, whoa, is this guy bipolar? You know, like he was upset and he's angry and he's depressed. And now he's like happy. And no, he's processing his emotion. He's speaking to God about it. He's talking and having a conversation, which is prayer to the Lord. He just did it in a written form. But he's talking to God and it's bringing his anxiety level down. And you can see how he works through that emotion on paper in the book of Psalms. And he does it over and over and over again. And we probably need it over and over and over again. So prayer is not just some kind of exercise that we do just because we're Christians, but it actually has major benefits, not to mention not just the biological benefits, but the fact that you're talking to a father who can actually do something about what you're going through. It's some pretty incredible. So 
When it comes to prayer, in this verse, Paul does tell us that there's a specific type of prayer that we're supposed to use, and it just kind of backs up everything we've been talking about. He doesn't say prayer and intercession, because intercession prayer is praying for other people. He says prayer and petition, prayer and petition. That word petition in the Greek means our own personal needs. Some versions use the word supplication. So he says, when you come to God, it doesn't do any good just to ignore what's going on in your heart and and pray for other people and pretend to be religious. He says, pray about what's on your heart. Pray about what you need. Because when you're venting to someone, you're not talking about, you know, something that's happening with someone else. Be real with God. Talk with him. Petition him. Bring your needs to him. He gets very specific about the type of prayer, and it makes complete and total sense. So Philippians talks to us and tells us not to be anxious about anything. Like, check your thoughts. Then he says, in everything, with prayer and petition. So talk to God. Pray about what's on your heart. And that's going to bring down that anxiety level. You stop thinking about the things that make you anxious. You start talking to God about what's making you anxious. That anxiety level is going to come down. But then he gives us something even at the end that's, that's just as good as the two of those things. He says at the very end, Philippians 4, 6, he says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And I want to focus in on those two words, with thanksgiving. So we're tracking with Paul, right? And we're, we're like, okay, we shouldn't allow our mind to dwell on anxious thoughts. We, we see the value in talking to God about what's on our heart. But then he throws this, like, like, it's seemingly random that he throws this phrase in there that says, oh yeah, and by the way, when you pray, do it with thanksgiving. Why, Paul? Did you just happen to throw that, was it thanksgiving, Paul, and you just thought you should give it a shout out or something? Why did you throw thanksgiving into that verse? Well, there's a very specific reason. As I started praying about this, contemplating this, studying this, there's a very specific reason that Paul says with thanksgiving. So let's think about thanking, thanking people for a second. When you're thanking someone, it's always an expression of gratitude for something they did for you, correct? Like you're thanking them for, you know, thank you for doing the dishes. Thank you for being so kind. Thank you for not making me watch Downton Abbey. There's things we thank people for. I actually really like Downton Abbey, so... If you want to take my man card at the end of the service, you're, you're welcome to do that. But we thank people for doing something for us, right? Thanking God is a reminder to us of his greatness. Thanking God helps us as much as it does him. Because we're remembering as we're thanking him for the times that he's come through in our lives about how amazingly faithful he is and how powerful he is to do things in our life. And he'll probably do it again if he did it before. Do you see what I'm saying? Thankfulness, again, is another incredibly powerful tool in our tool belt to deal with anxiety. It minimizes the circumstances that we're going through because they don't seem so big, and it maximizes his power to the point that those anxieties that we're facing become like molehills next to him because all of a sudden we're remembering, oh yeah, we serve a really big, it's like going back and talking about how big God is. Oh yeah, we serve a really big God and oh yeah, this really big God has came through for me time and time and time and time again. So why can't I just trust him to do the same thing that he's always done? Because we forget, don't we? We get in the middle of our circumstance and we get tunnel vision and we don't remember what's behind us. We just see what's in front of us and it's, it just looks so crazy that we can't think about anything else. But God's saying, take a bigger view. Zoom out a little bit. Look at what I did for you here. Look at what I did for you here. Look at what I did for you here. Don't forget me in this equation. 
It pings that anxiety down. And with the other two ste- as with the other two steps, let's take a look and see if there's any biological benefit to thankfulness. And I'm sure you probably already know the answer to that question. But just to let you know, the Greater Good Science Center set out to see if thankfulness had any effect on those with struggling with mental health issues. You see, they knew that people that had just regular that, that weren't that were just regularly, you know, mentally uh, healthy, I guess you would say. They knew that there was power and thankfulness with those people, but they thought, what if we take people that are struggling with anxiety and depression and have mental health problems, and they came to us and they sought us out. So they found 300 of these individuals, college-age students, who were having mental health crisis in their life. And they put them into three different groups. Um, they divided them into three different groups, and every single group received counseling and then, but one group, they asked them to do something different. They asked them to take and write a letter of thankfulness to somebody in their life once a week while the study was happening. So they get to the end of the study, it's done. They have all the participants come in three months later after the study, and they found something really significant. What they found is the group that wrote the letter for thankfulness, they found that their prefrontal cortex was more activated and their overall mental health was much better than the other two groups that had counseling alone. Thankfulness is powerful. So when Paul says, with thanksgiving, and we look at it and we think, oh, that's just a random thought thrown in there. Oh, no. Oh, no. Again, God designed our body. He knows how it works. And so he knows that when we're thankful, he knows that's going to decrease our anxiety. It's going to raise our level of mental health. He knew that. He wrote it in the word for us. So when you're, I guess I give a plug for the Bible here. When you're going across the word, it's not just random. There's so much depth going on there. It's hard sometimes to even wrap our head around it, and it's pretty incredible. But thankfulness is incredible. I love this time of year because Thanksgiving's right around the corner, and I truly do love the idea that Thanksgiving is that one time of year that we can just stop and and be thankful for different things. I know that I don't do it enough, and so it's a reminder to me, but, but thankfulness, like I said, is powerful. I mean, it's, it's a weapon against greed. It's a bringer of contentment. It's a path to joy. It's attractive to other people. I mean, how many of you, when you're watching Charlie and the Char- Chocolate Factory, you just, and Veruca Salt comes on, you just want to, yeah, he's a little entitled brat. You know, how many of you watch Charlie and the Chocolate Factory? Okay, so, good. But then you see Charlie, and he's just, He's thankful. He's just happy to be there, you know? And you're like, I want to hang out with that kid. Not so much Veruca, but I want to hang out with Charlie. People like you when you're thankful, okay? Nobody likes someone who just complains about stuff all the time. You get old and you start complaining about stuff or you complain about stuff your whole life. People don't want to hang out with you. They want to find somewhere else to hang out. People like people who are thankful. They're attractive. And not only that, it just says incredible things for us. So Paul says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything with prayer and petition, with Thanksgiving, present your requests to God. That is Paul's practical formula for defeating and releasing anxiety into your life. So we heard from them this morning. I'm kind of closing up here this morning, but, you know, as we hear from Jesus and we hear from Paul, and they're saying the same thing, and they're saying, don't be anxious, I know for some of you this morning that that sounds like an impossibility because You can't just shut off your anxiety. I know for some of you in this place, as I talk about these things, you're thinking, that's great, but I've done those things and my anxiety is still there. And I want to let you know this morning that um, I understand that some of you deal with true-to-life anxiety disorders from physical, possibly from physical differences in your brain. 
And you can't just shut off anxiety. It doesn't just work that way. I, I get that. And I want to let you know I'm not leaving you behind this morning as we talk about these things. I guess two thoughts come to mind if you're struggling with an anxiety or disorder of some kind. Number one, the things that we talked about definitely are going to help you no matter if you have an anxiety disorder or not. These things that we talked about that God put in the Word are going to help you no matter what you're dealing with. If it's just garden variety anxiety, it's really going to help. If you have an anxiety disorder of some kind, if there's a physical reason that you were anxious, um, then those things are still going to help you. And I guess number two is this. There's a verse that comes after chapter, or verse 6, verse, uh, Philippians 4, verse 7. And I want to read to you what it says because there's a great promise that's attached to this verse beforehand. It says this. It says, don't be, well, this is, I'm going to go back to verse 6. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything with prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I believe this verse talks about the supernatural peace that will come upon us, but not just in a passive way, but in an active way. First of all, I should say that uh, this peace of God transcends all natural understanding. That's why I believe it's supernatural. It doesn't make sense. God can calm you when your circumstances aren't calm. It doesn't make sense to us. But then this verse for, or this word for guarding in the Greek means a military guard placed there, like an active military guard. So God's peace that transcends all understanding comes upon you, and it doesn't just come upon you. He puts it there as a guard so that when something like anxiety tries to enter your heart or enter your mind, he says, no, it's not going to happen. No, it's not going to happen. My peace is protecting my child. That's a pretty awesome promise. There is deliverance from anxiety disorders because your God is incredibly huge. And why not? Because it's like any other physical illness or sickness. There's hope. There is deliverance. There is healing and wholeness in Jesus' name. Can somebody say amen, amen that we can be delivered from mental illness this morning? If you're watching online this morning, put amen in the chat. That's you this morning. God can deliver you from mental illness. So we're going to, uh, we're going to take some time this morning, and we're going to pray for those of you that are struggling with anxiety. Devin's going to come up here, and um, she's going to sing a song. And the song, actually, that she's singing is kind of interesting. It's um, the chorus of it was written by a man whose family was, uh, died in a shipwreck. And when he, uh, when he had gotten that news, he went over and he took a ship. And, and about the place that they were believed to have gone down, he went into the bottom of the boat, he cried out to God, and he wrote this song, It Is Well With My Soul. And the, you'll hear the chorus as she sings it this morning. And so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to have the elders and pastoral staff that I've asked to come up and pray. Why don't you come up right now? We're going to pray for those of you that, are, that want deliverance from this thing called anxiety. Uh, whether you have an anxiety disorder, maybe you're going through a season of life now where you're really anxious about something, it doesn't matter what it is, and no one's going to judge you for coming up here. For those of you that are, that are in your seats, um, why don't you, um, when, when we play this music, you go ahead and stand, and you just worship along with this song, and uh, if you have anxiety that you need to give to the Lord, you just raise your hand, close your eyes, and you just give that anxiety to the Lord and, and fulfill the scripture that says, don't be anxious about anything. But I'm going to invite you. Let's go ahead and stand right now. Thanks for being a part of the Indianola First podcast. Join us next week to stay updated on our latest messages.